What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate, artist-run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one-of-a-kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from the Sally O's, Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth and It's Art on MTR Podcast. I am your host, Rob Lee. And my next guest is a Baltimore-based artist, diorama maker, animator, and musician. His work has been featured in the U.S., Europe, and here locally in the AVAM, the American Visionary Arts Museum. We have Jim Duran. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. It's great to meet you. It's great to meet you as well. I was going to start throwing in Duran Duran references, and I'm not going to because... Man, I've never heard that before. I'm sure you haven't. I'm sure <laughs> you haven't. Um, you can only imagine how many times I've gotten really ill-timed Robert E. Lee jokes because of my I'm name. sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Um, so I came across your stuff. Your stuff is super unique. You have an extensive like like background. It's just like a list. You had the definitions of slash this, slash that. So... <laughs> If you will, um, describe your work and like, you know, just just what you do day to day as creative and an artist in this this area. Um, so I my favorite thing is to make uh, dioramas, tiny dioramas and recycled objects. And it really started for me um, because I, I've, I've always felt like an artist. I've always wanted to make art. And I don't think I draw very well. And so I stumbled on this, I guess it was maybe 2011, where I started cutting out the drawings and making shadow boxes or uh, things with depth of field. And then I did a little tiny one. It was in a iPod shuffle box. Uh -huh. And then I, there's like this light bulb went off in my head, like, oh, this is it. I love doing this. And I, I think um, it kind of extends from the love of comics, too, and that sort of uh, graphic uh, storytelling. So that's, that's kind of how I got into the visual art stuff. And then I've been making music my whole life. My dad did all this stuff too. Like I, I get it from him. He didn't make dioramas, but just the artistic uh, inspiration, I guess, came from him. So, so how's that? No, that, that's great. Um, so, so the music, so run, run back. You can't just glaze over the music. You can't just leave us there. It's like eh, little comics. You know, uh, so, so, so speaking of music, um, what kind of music are you doing? Um, right now, uh, I'm actually, okay. So I, I, I do animation and, it, um, I, I, uh, okay. Well, music, I, I, I studied music in my undergrad degree and it was actually the only way I could get through college. You know, like I didn't take math. I took music theory and that got me through that part of my life. Um, when I got out of school, I played in punk bands and, and did all that stuff, um, and then I ended up being a, a music therapist for a while, which is really interesting. Um, I was doing uh, hand drumming circles in a geriatric hospital, a nursing home setting, and it really kind of changed the way I thought about music. And I stopped playing with other bands. I stopped 
um, kind of performing in that way. So, so fast forward, um, I mean, music's always been super important to me, but when the animation happened, I became really interested in how sound and visual things go together. So to answer your question, the kind of music I'm doing now tends to support some visual effort. So it might be loop-based stuff or, or a rhythm that kind of backs something I'm working on. So, so of course, so so we're backtracking in the East piece. We went from the dioramas, we went to the music. Now let's talk about the animation. <laughs> so, so what got you into to the animation and 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 even speak on it? You said your your dad was um, kind of did a lot of the stuff that that you're working in. Um, so how did that come about too? Was it something that was, here's my book of all of my tips and tricks. Was it one of those deals? How did that work out? He, uh, so my dad, um, my dad was a frustrated artist and he was a drummer. And, uh, so we always had drums in the house and, um, you know, when I was a kid, he actually took me to see Buddy Rich play at okay. this place in Annapolis. And, uh, in between, the there were there were two shows we went to the matinee and the the later show wasn't sold out so buddy rich came out and he said you know if anybody who wants to stay for the second show go ahead because uh we have lots of seats so um i had brought an lp with me and i went up he signed it for me and then dad and i walked on stage and i started playing his drums and this roadie came flying out of nowhere and he's like you you cannot do this and if you know buddy rich he's yeah. got a pretty big temper um so we we got off stage unscathed and nothing nothing bad happened but dad was a huge influence with music um and drumming in particular i said he was a frustrated artist um he had been um a contractor and he had kind of run his own business for a long time and then later in his life he started doing graphic design he was working for a place that did signs and t-shirts and he told me i guess i was in college and he told me um he wished he'd done that his whole life and he said i you know i made all this money doing this other stuff and i was always so scared and if i could tell you one thing it's do what makes you happy and so um so yeah that was really a big great thing to hear from your your dad yeah. um so, and I think you asked about the animation. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I, so I'm a web developer. That's how I make my living. And back when Flash was a thing, I used to fool around with animating in that. Um, and so um, I, I, I got to go to grad school using tuition remission through work. Yeah. And I applied for an MFA program at Towson and, and uh, I got in. And so I decided to focus on animation and stop motion in particular and learning about um, kind of the history of that and techniques and stuff like that. And so I think that's why that's come bubbled up to the forefront of what I'm doing now uh, was my work in grad school. So it's, it's just, it's like multiple things that are just coming together. It's like I take from here, I take from there. And, you know, you're doing all of the things. Is there one particular area that, you know, of, of the various creative pursuits that you have that you're like, this is the one I would lead with. This is this is how I, if one were to do it, how I would define myself, like I am this. How would you define that? Or do you go more broadly and say you're an artist? Well, I, I think artist is the way I would go. Um, and it, I, I guess the way I would explain it is, um, I can even widen it out a little bit more to like my professional life. So when, when I, when I switched from doing music therapy, I, I took a couple of programming classes at CCBC. And what I realized is, is that language, they're all languages. Music theory is a set of rules that you use to compose music. And then JavaScript has a syntax or PHP or Visual Basic or C++. So you, once you learn the rules, then you can be creative with it. And so in my brain, it's kind of all the same thing. 
And so uh, the, the modality changes a little bit, but um, also I think about opera, at, like as an art form, there is singing, there is sometimes dancing, there's costume design, there's storytelling. Um, and, and all of these things come together, all of these elements come together to, to make this one thing. And so animation is kind of like that for me. It involves drawing and cut paper, storytelling, and then I get to do sound with it. So um, that's kind of what's exciting to me about it. It's a lot of work, um, but it's really, really gratifying and satisfying, I think. It's fantastic. So describe describe the importance because i think people that do i guess i guess the polyglot thing that's what i guess what i saw would call it mm-hmm. um that are in that kind of like realm describe the importance of being in a company of other artists or creative types like is it like almost like this you you get something that rubs off how, how is that how how important is that for you um so that's a great question. When I, when I started doing this, I was kind of alone. I was in a room trying to figure this out and I was making my little dioramas and um, I didn't, cons- I, I wasn't part of an, any art scene or anything like that. Um, and I was like, well, what do you do? Well, you make enough work maybe to get a show. And okay, so I made enough pieces that I thought I could do that. And then I, I mailed a letter out to a couple galleries and then I managed to get a show and then it kind of expanded. But what's great is the community in Baltimore um, and I feel like I've been lucky to be here and grow into that. Um, I live in Hamilton mm-hmm. and I joined the Hamilton Gallery Collective up here on Hartford Road. Um, and I, I just so, so at this point, I, I know people and I enjoy, uh, you know, we all do different things, but I definitely enjoy watching them do what they do and, and how they grow. Um, I don't know if you know Chris Bathgate. He's in my neighborhood. He's a sculptor and he, he's, he's got this incredible uh, shop in his basement and he makes these, um, you should talk to him if you haven't. He, he makes these great little, some are large sculptures, some are smaller. He's like an engineer. He designs these things and he fabricates them. And so he and I really are very different in terms of what we do, but I'm so inspired by his process and, and um, his industry you know, like how, how much he puts into it. And I, I listened to your interview with Erin um, Fostel and I, I adore her work and she's so nice. Um, and I've just met so many great people along the way. So awesome yeah. city. Yeah, it's, and it's really good to, to, I think even from my standpoint, like people remark upon like, Man, you seem so interested. I was like, I am. I, I, I was like, these people have um, the, the different guests I've had on. They they have different talents, and I consider myself a a failed or a starving or struggling artist. And uh, it's just like so many different talents, and I I get that inspiration. Whether it be some of the conversations I've had, like um, Aaron Hankin comes to mind, or mm-hmm. even like Wendell Patrick, especially Aaron. Whereas like you're doing a version of what I can see this ascending to be. And it's like, I want to pick your brain as much as possible. This is more of an inquisition than an interview. <laughs> and yeah. um, you, you get something out of it. But definitely getting even an nth of that, uh, that inspiration is, is a big thing. So well, you, yeah. you, you, um, you've done such a great service to the city and the breadth of like, you've talked to so many people and, and not, I'm mean, like MST spot. Like it's so broad, the folks that you're, you're connecting me to. Right. So that's a, that's a huge service. Uh, and it's fantastic. I, I I'm so impressed with what you've done here. So oh, thank thanks you. for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you. It's um, you know, I, I love the city and I, like um, speaking with anyone that has something that, like I said earlier, when we got started, this is a, a, a probably Baltimore oriented podcast and, um, and just really kind of connecting, you know, people. It's, um, 
I've, I've had those conversations before. Like I even talked about Jax a little bit earlier and um, just like, Oh, I, yeah, I didn't know that you do this. And, and people don't know if they fit sometimes. It's like, you do, you do fit, you know, you're part of the community and yeah. the community here. Um, and that's a theme that I've heard is, is very inviting to, to people. It's like accessible in that way. It's like, once you're here, you will find that tribe. It may not be always, but once you've gotten to that point where people know who you are and know what you're doing, then people will always look out for you. That's what I've seen. And that's what I believe is true. Yeah. 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 And I, I, somebody, I think maybe Aaron had said like, you know, DC has a very different feel and of course, New York or even Philly. Like um, I, I just, all, you know, you can be as weird as you want here or do whatever. And there's, there's a space for it. So yeah. I think it's great. I mean, um, I, you know, being early, early, early in this podcast thing, 12 years in, and now it's like, oh, everyone's doing this now. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I read that you started doing the dioramas back in 2010. Um, what was your first and, or what was your uh, most intricate diorama? Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, so the first one was the iPod shuffle that I mentioned earlier. I, it's downstairs, I could show you, but it's, um, it's, it's tiny and it had the four horsemen on it, nice. which is a recurring theme that I, I go back to a lot uh, as skeletons. Um, it, I think the most intricate was, um, th there's a, it's called Always, and it was in a soap tin. It was a vintage soap tin that opens up. And so there's a scene in the background. And then if you look down, there's an open casket and you can see into the casket. So it's very three-dimensional yeah. and getting it to stay open. There's a, a ghost made out of tracing paper and then a skeleton who's reaching for the ghost. And to get them to like stay interlocked and connected was, um, it took me a long time to get that one to work. So that's probably the, the most intricate. They're all, they're all little problems to solve. Like they're little puzzles and it takes a little while to figure it out. I, try, I don't like to repeat myself. Yeah. I'll do it for a commission if somebody really wants to have one, but I, I don't like to do them twice. I dig it. And even stepping back, like, so you, you, you have the, you have the uh, soft uh, web designer, right? Mm -hmm. And you touched on like some of the, the different languages. Like I, I do SQL, I'm a data analyst day to day. And okay. And in kind of touching on what you were saying with the dioramas, there's, there's this little puzzle. And when you said it, it immediately hit me with the reason that I like, I use SQL. So I like using SQL because it's always some new problem I'm trying to solve. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that keeps me, me interested in it. If it was, oh, I could just run this, fine, I could do my day-to-day -day stuff, but I want to find a way to make that quicker or find a way to improve mm -hmm. upon it and make it new and interesting because ultimately when something becomes kind of like eh, boring, you're looking for a new thing and then that just gets you away from the thing that you care about. Yeah, and SQL too, like um, it's so, and that, like whether you're open source or Microsoft, like Microsoft. stored procedures, <laughs> like you can do so much in there. Yeah. And um, I, I worked for a while at a major university tuning uh, stored procedures <laughs> and um, it, it was, it was kind of dry, but it was, fascinating the level like uh i think there's expression in that too like how you do it and and how you optimize things and stuff so that's cool everyone has their, their signatures within it or what have you it's like oh you just throw your text in there you just have all of your stuff in there you don't care at all <laughs> or it's like oh you have comments out okay you actually care it's like i'm leaving notes and breadcrumbs in there and such yeah uh, 
share share some of your you I think you touched on it earlier. Obviously, your your dad's a piece in there. I think uh, you you mentioned um, uh, Buddy Rich earlier. You mentioned um, I think a little bit about um, comics. So speak on some of your um, other creative influences. Um, let's see. Well, musically, um, my <laughs> girlfriend jokes all the time because I talk about Steve Vai a lot, the guitarist. Yeah. Um, and when I was in my so when I was in my undergraduate program, at the end of my senior year, you had to do a project and it could either be like an original composition, a thesis, or you took this comprehensive exam. So I went to study for the exam with my professor and realized that I couldn't pass the exam. And that night, this idea for a thesis popped into my head, which was the history of the electric guitar and rock music and yeah. how the instrument got better based on player innovations. And then as the instrument evolved, players got better. So it flip-flopped back and forth through time. So I followed it all the way up. And at the time when I was in school, Ibanez had come out with the gem, which is Steve Vai's guitar. And I, my, I, my, I, that was kind of the pinnacle for me at the time. So I'd written a term paper about him and he played with Frank Zappa and um, David Lee Roth and Whitesnake. And then he has this extensive solo career and he's done soundtrack stuff. I mailed him my paper. Uh, he had to put a solo record out and there was a P.O. box on the back. And he wrote me back and he's like, I'd like to help you with your thesis. Uh, I'll be on tour with Whitesnake. Here's my number. Call and set up an appointment. And so I talked to him. He was great. And I, I, he was so kind. Um, and I think his, his um, whole approach to... Uh, music and, and I don't know, life. I, I just still find inspiration in that. But whenever I talk about it, my girlfriend falls asleep. She, I, it's like, it's like <laughs> Z-Cool for her. So, um, so he's a huge influence. Um, I really love Billy Martin as a drummer from Medeski, Martin and Wood. And I recently got up to New Jersey. He had did a little loop workshop. It was for like 10 people in his studio. And I, I, I do a lot with loops, but I really just kind of wanted to go hang out. And here's a cool thing. I get there and we're introducing ourselves. And the first guy that talks says, I'm from Baltimore. So we're in New Jersey above New York. Yeah. And um, I'm like, oh, what are the odds of that? And so we start talking and he's like, yeah, I live in Hamilton, Laraville. And I was like, oh, we're neighbors. <laughs> and so it turns out he plays drums with the outfalls um, really? often. Yeah. And so like we, we've become friends and it just was this astonishing thing. So Steve I, Billy Martin. I love jazz music and I love um I love Mahler. I yeah. love a lot of classical stuff, 20th century. Like I, I really like everything except things that aren't very interesting. So I dig it. Noisy stuff is great. So yeah, and thank you for sharing that. That's that's good. Uh so yeah. if if you are offered the opportunity to become and this, this is my last three questions. Offer the opportunity to become any superhero. I like a little, a little comic flair in there. Uh, what superpower would you have? Ooh. How many times have I asked myself that question? <laughs> um, boy. So are we talking about specific superheroes or a power? Well, you know what? If you could become a superhero, so let's go with the power. Let's go power oriented. Mm. Um, gosh. You can edit out this long pause, right? Yeah, you're good. I you're think good. about it. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, I always thought invisibility would be really useful, right? Because you could help somebody without being seen. Like that would give you the chance to get somewhere and do something. Yeah. 
but if you're not bulletproof or fireproof, then like you could get hurt. Yeah. Um, I think I would take speed. I would take speed. Okay. Like I'd like to be able to move super fast. A little flash energy there, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be super useful. Let's just don't go backwards. Let's don't go go back and start changing yeah. things and keep creating paradox. We don't need that. We we, we did, don't need that. <laughs> did you watch Loki? Have you seen that? I have. I'm caught up on it. It's great. Well, I was just talking with my daughter about this, and I was trying to explain. She was talking about what if, which yeah. is is going to be the next round of, of things. And I was explaining how the comics work that Marvel would would cast this, you know, these stories like what if Gwen Stacy had lived, or, or you know, what if Doctor Doom was in the Fantastic Four or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was, we were talking about the um, the the time. What is it? The time in Loki. It's the, the TVA. Time, the, the TVA. Yeah. And I was saying, you know, it's funny that there's this this arc in the story about timelines and how like that's often how writers get out of stuff is they, ch- you know, they they change the story. They yeah. bring Superman back to life or whatever. And it, it almost feels like cheating a little bit sometimes, I think. Yeah. So I, I was kind of like, it's sort of this funny thing that they've woven that in, you know, and, and the good part is when it like breaks out again and branches out. So, um yeah, I don't know what you think about that, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm sitting there marking out because like once I heard of the notion of the multiverse of madness, I was like they've they've said the word multiverse, and you know I was like this is how they're going to get to it. And I was like they're using the television series or the limited series to be a bridging mechanism to get to these next steps. And uh-huh. uh, once you introduce time and they did that in the whole quantum realm, you have different options that if you need to retcon something or if you need to modify something, you you can. Um, and it's like, sometimes it feels a little lazy, but it's like, it's not like it's absent from the comic books. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on a fence with it. I just want to see how it's executed. That's, that's the way I always go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last two questions I have here. Wait, are you going to ask me what hero I could be? If oh, I could yeah, be please, please, please. Absolutely. Which hero? Which hero? <laughs> I think I'd be Thor. I'm, I'm really obsessed with Thor. And there's a great, I don't, did you see Ragnarok on I, uh, I Netflix? Did? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed that. Um, a lot of fun. Neil Gaiman collected a bunch of uh, Norse myths and kind of packaged them in a way that I guess, I don't know if they were lost or you had to dig for them, but um, there's something so appealing about all that. So, yeah, I mean. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, when when we utilize like um, things that are either old folklore or mythology and things like that, and it's modified, like um, what is it, um, American Gods, like that comes to mm-hmm. mind, or have you, or even um, Supernatural is a big Supernatural hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, you see something that comes from just different folklore, different mythology, and it's like, oh, you've updated it, you modified it to fit within the parameters of the show that you created. That interests me even to a lesser degree i didn't really watch much of it but um grim kind of in that same kind of kind of way uh so yeah i mean i want to see more of that um i want to see uh i, I want to see it have a a, a black or, or colored slant to it like very poc kind of slant to it because <laughs> there's so many different types of things that are out there and i feel like generally we only cover certain segments i think it's just yeah. so many more broader stories that you can get and i think that could be really interesting um there's this one show called Monsterland that really wasn't that good but there were certain things about it that i liked specifically when they uh had this new orleans episode and i was like okay yeah this is i love new orleans i was like because this is interesting uh-huh. and um yeah i don't know so what powers would you have 
Um, speed caught my attention. Uh, probably flight. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many. I, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm 300 pounds. So I don't know how many wing, how, how big of wings I'm gonna need of like these albatross wings or something. <laughs> but uh, I like to be able to say, "All right, I'm out of here," and I just fly away. Yeah, <laughs> I'm running late. <laughs> Let me just fly there real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd imagine the um, almost the the archangel uh, wings from like X Men. Uh, as far as superheroes, um, I've always had a predilection to, predilection towards Colossus from X Men. Yeah, you know, just if I'm playing the arcade joint and he just does the flash and he's just metal for a second, <laughs> it's just it's great. Yeah, 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 he's awesome. Um, most treasured treasured possession. If let's say you're you're in your creative space and let's say you have different things in there that you elicit like energy from, right? Um. And something is happening where you can only grab one thing and you got to get out of there. What is the one thing that you're definitely grabbing? What's that most prized possession for you? Well, for art, it's, um, hold on, where is it? It's this X-Acto blade. It's this handle. Uh, I've used, I've had it since college. I've used it for everything. Um, and so I would hate to lose this, right? Yeah. It's just a thing, but, um, you know, I would definitely grab this. And I, if it was music, I, so I um, I saved up and I got a gem, the Ibanez gem, the guitar I referenced earlier. And I don't play like Steve Vai. I'm not a shredder. I don't play like that. But that guitar is such a pleasure to hold. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I think each instrument kind of inspires uh, a way you touch it. You know, some, some are like cool for surf music or some things are for jazz or whatever. And that guitar inspires me so um i would take that too okay. if i could only have one thing i would take the gem because it costs <laughs> a lot more than this handle but um those those two items i think are my favorite possessions i dig it i'm, I'm probably taking a uh, i'm probably taking my my first mixer um i still yeah. have my um old uh i have a fast track pro that i got in 2009 and uh -huh. it was like it wasn't super expensive but it was just like we we I did. An, I do another podcast. It's a comedy podcast. And for the longest time, I had this away with some of my old equipment. You know how you go back to stuff. And it's like oh, I can still use mm -hmm. this in a different way. So I had this. I have this nice Behringer mixer that I'm using right now. But on occasion, it's like Behringer mixer isn't really doing what I wanted to do. So let me switch back to the fast track. And it was a sticker on there that one of my ex co-hosts put on, and he called it like Universal Fart Machine. And I was like, I hate this guy. I hate him. <laughs> and I happened to notice it when I wanted. It. I was like, I need. I was like, what the hell is this? And it was a bright orange sticker. I was like, you're a dick. <laughs> All right. So this is, this is the last question that I have. Um, okay. Share your most marked characteristic. If someone was like, you know, this is, this is Jim in one word, what do you think it would be? Or what do you, what would you call it? If you're oh, like pitching it out there. Oh, it depends on who you talk to, I guess. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Back of the jacket, boy, autobiography. <laughs> I think so if we just keep it in the art realm, sure. since that's what we're talking about, I would have to say patience because um, I have a lot, a lot of patience to do the various things I do. They're all fussy, time consuming, ridiculous things that, you know, so Altoids people will be like, oh, I really want to do that. And I'll say, well, we'll do it. You know, here it's not hard. Like you, you can do this, but nobody wants to because it takes a lot of patience and it's sort of frustrating, I think. So or it can be, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully that's accurate. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I def- definitely because um, uh, you you kind of give me those vibes in terms of the the the, the work that you're doing specifically with the dioramas uh, dioramas mm-hmm. of what um, Rosa Left does. She does the she's a paper cut artist, and it's like mm-hmm. so she's taking like pictures and then basically redoing the pictures, but done with like an exacto knife. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hold up! So that's your drawing implement, the exacto knife. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> you're you're patient, aren't you? You're meticulous and all of that. I used to be very, um, very meticulous with with this podcast. I would, or or just podcasting as a medium, I would go through and look for every um, every silence, mm-hmm. and just trimming it out. And I would pretty much for like an hour long podcast, I would work on it for two hours to get it as yeah. pristine as possible. And and then I started looking at it and realizing, and this is just for this medium, that it starts to lose the nature of what it is. It's a conversation. There are going to be ums, there are going to be pauses and things like that. So kind of finding that happy balance between the two. But definitely when you mentioned like patient, I, I am very patient in it, but also it's like, all right, all right. So what, what, what ultimately is the intent here? That's what I try to get back to. Yeah, I think... Um... I definitely leave a lot of mistakes and stuff now. And uh, I would rather make more things than like one thing that's really perfect or, or pristine. So that was like a good development to be able to let go of stuff. And um, I don't know, humor is really important to me too. Like having things be, I don't know if people think what I do is funny, but I intend a lot of it to be funny and it's funny to me. So I, I get a kick out of that. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So um, and you've listened to a few episodes to know what, what happens now at the end of the episode. Shameless plug time. So please, please plug away your social media, all of that stuff. And and again, thank you. This has been really fun, actually. And this is the first interview I've done in a few weeks. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Well, thank you. Uh, as This is my first interview ever. So I will never forget it. And I appreciate it. Um, I can be found at jimduran.art. That's my website. My Instagram is jimduran.art. Um, I, I would go to the webs. Everything's there. The animation site and everything is linked off of that. Uh, I have a show um, at Maryland Art Place right now. I'm part of a show, the Young Blood Exhibit, which was for for uh, MFA grads from the pandemic time. And um, I'm working on an animation right now, which will be in the city of Denver. Um, they have all these uh, LED billboards around the city. It's a silent silent screen type thing. They're shorts. So yeah. if anybody's in Denver. I actually forget when it is. Uh, the Denver Digerati is putting it on, and that's uh, what I'm frantically trying to finish right now. Uh, and that's really what I've got going on. Well, thank you so much. That's, that's cool. And definitely check out your website for all of the upcoming stuff. Everything's there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, again, thank you so much. So, for Jim Duran, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Yeah.